The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. Remain blessed as you listen. Okay, are you ready for the word? Genesis chapter number one. Hmm. When people say the Bible is an outdated book, I know they don't know the author. The Bible is the most beautiful book ever written. It is the most intelligent book ever crafted. It is the most intentional book ever written. It is not mystical, glory to God. It is only mysterious to those who don't have the spirit and those who have no anointed teaching. Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to be showing you, we're talking about Ablaze, now we've been focusing on the spirit, spirit, last two Sundays. Now I want to talk about the spirit emphasis on the gospel, all right, focusing on the gospel in Genesis. Because you see, it is by understanding the gospel in Genesis that we will begin to really understand what the message is about and how that uh, you will see God's love at play. You will see God's wisdom at play. You will see God's, God's thinking, God's, you know, nature and his character at play. Now, let us read Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Everybody read 1, 2, go. What does it say? Again, you get it again? Then the next verse says what? Hold on now, guys, think, think, think about that. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it now says that these heavens and the earth that God created, the next thing we see is that it says, and the earth was without what? Does that make sense to you? Praise God. Does that make sense? It says, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. How can God create the heavens? If he was talking about heaven and the earth, how can you say heaven and the earth? Then the next thing he says is, and the earth was without form and void. Now, there are some theologians that have speculated, and I've come up with some theories. And they said that, oh, something happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. How I many of you have heard that teaching? All right, then you, if you especially if you, that, that teaching was made popular by a brilliant theologian called Finis Dix. Now, if you know the Dix Bible, Dix Bible, yeah. All right, Finis Dix. I grew up on Finis Dix, the Dix Bible. I think I have had three which have devoured and all the pages are falling off. Praise God. And my present one cannot be seen in public. Praise God. All right, uh, but I don't want to buy a fourth one because I know the, the, the destination of where to end up in. But let us now look at it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then the next thing he says is what? And the earth was without what? Ah, the earth was without form and void. Now, what does that mean? The earth was without form and void. Now, when he says heaven and the earth, what is he referring to? Is he referring to the physical teratoma? That's the, the matter of the earth. Is he referring to, what is he referring to heaven and the earth? What does that mean? Then when he says the earth was without form and void, what does that mean? So let us do a little bit of Bible study. Are you ready? All right. Now let's do a little bit of Bible study. Now where I want us to start looking at, all right. Now when he says in the beginning, the word beginning there is the Greek word, um, the Hebrew word reshit. And reshit means at the start. Okay. At the start or at uh, the beginning of something new. That's what Rashid means. Something started anew. That's what it means. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, verse 2 now says, and the earth was without form and void. Then he says, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, that, the, the, those words, the words without form and void needs to be studied because we need to understand what is meant by without form. What does that mean? Okay? All right. What does that mean? Now, the, the Hebrew word without form is tohu. That's T-O-H-U. Okay? Tohu. Now, what does tohu mean? Because when you say without form, it's not, it's not, it's not rich enough. It doesn't make you know, enough sense. What does without form mean? What does that mean? All right? So, if we're going to study every place in Scripture 
where the word to who is used, you will now get a better understanding of what without form means. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, let's now look at that quickly. All right? That word to who, without form. It is found in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10. Turn there. To who? Without form. Remember, we want to answer what without form means. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 10. Look at what it says. It says, He found him in a desert land and in the... Are you there? And in the what? In the waste howling wilderness. That word waste is the Hebrew tohu. So it means another word for tohu is what? Waste. Waste. Praise God. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 21. Turn in there. First Samuel chapter 12 and 21. Look at what this is. It says, And turn ye not aside, for then should you go after what? Vain things. Which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are what? Vain. Vain is also to who? Now, what does vain mean? Something that is what? Empty. Correct? Correct? Uh-huh. So that means when he says, and the earth was without form, it means the earth was what? Waste. Right? Right? All right. Then the earth was what? Vain. Praise God. Come on, are you following? Uh-huh. The earth was what? Waste. The earth was what? Vain. Now, you see... The Bible has literal expressions, and the Bible also has figurative expressions. Now, you cannot understand what is meant if you take what is figurative, literally. And if you take what is literal as what? Figurative. So, for example, there are a lot of folks in trying to argue creation. How many of you have noticed that there is this um, um, battle between folks saying, uh, between creationism and evolution, right? Where people are arguing that God created the world in what? Six days. Right? Church, talk to me now. Right? Six days. So you have the, believe, the Bible saying, the, the Christians say, the Bible says God created the world in six days. I believe it. And the scientist says, no. The earth is billions of years old. Hallelujah. You know there's that fight, right? Uh -huh. So they said, no, science is against the Bible. But the first question you need to ask is this. What was the purpose of what? The Bible. Why was it written? If you understood why the Bible was written, then you will know whether it is a scientist book or not. Are you following what I'm saying? All right? Because if I wrote a book to teach you physics, you shouldn't be looking to find geography inside. Are you... Amen? If I wrote a book to teach you literature, it would be funny if you went to that book and said, I want to know chemistry inside it. Hallelujah. If I mentioned certain things that were consistent with chemistry in the literature textbook, does that mean that the literature textbook was written for the purpose of studying chemistry? No. Praise God. Praise God. So, um, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, all right, Paul writing to Timothy, he said, And from a, uh, from a young child, you have known the word, holy scriptures, for they are able to make the word wise unto, um, through faith, uh, unto salvation through faith that is in what? In Christ Jesus. Which means that when you read the scriptures, where it will end up is what? Salvation through faith in what? In Christ Jesus. That is why the scriptures were written. So if the goal of the, or the purpose of the scriptures is to bring men to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus, it means I will see three things when I read the Bible. I will see salvation, number one, glory to God, through faith, number two, and where? In what? Christ Jesus. So salvation found where? In Christ Jesus. And faith in who? In Christ Jesus. That's what I'm going to find when I read the Bible. 
So if salvation through faith in Christ Jesus is the purpose of scriptures, then it would mean that when Moses wrote in Genesis, Moses was trying to bring us into that place of salvation through faith in what? In Christ. Are you following what I'm saying so far? Come on, are you following what I'm saying so far? All right. Now, you're going to see Genesis 1 better now without uh, the veil on your eyes. Glory to God. Now, let's continue. Where did we stop? When we said to who means, to who is vain, right? Vain, right? So let us look at something else. All right. Look at Job chapter 6 and 18. Job 6 and 18. What does it say? The paths of their way are turned aside. They go to what? Nothing. And they what? Perish. That word nothing is what? Is what? To who? All right, nothing. And the earth was nothing. Glory to God. Are you following so far? Nothing. And the earth was nothing. You will understand this thing in a moment. The earth was nothing. The earth was waste. Amen. Earth was nothing. The earth was waste. The earth was vain. Vain, all right, is also the same word as vanity. You know, vanity upon vanity, all this vanity. Vanity is used to come, um, explain anything that has a fleeting significance, which means its importance and relevance does not pass this earth. Vanity is used in scripture to explain anything that does not have everlasting life. Mm? Why does it have everlasting life? It, all right, it means that if you don't have everlasting life, it means it will not what live forever. If it does not live forever, it does not have eternal significance. So that is why wealth is called what vanity, because you will not take your wealth with you. Are you following? It does not have eternal word significance. Praise God. Praise God. All right, let's continue. Glory to God. Isaiah 24, verse 10. Isaiah 24, verse 10. Now look at what he says. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may what? Come in. The word confusion is the Hebrew to who? Glory to God. So that means, all right, Genesis 1-2 can be translated that, and the earth was what? Confusion. There was no other. Glory to God. All right. Remember, there, there, there was no other. No other. There was confusion. Okay, that is what is being described. Glory to God. Let me show you like two more. Two more. You know, I think, uh, I think I've shown you Isaiah 59 4. Then we'll stop here. Then I will now show you the void part when he says, and the earth was void. Glory to God. Now, why are we doing this, showing you in Hebrew and all? Because the Bible was not originally written in English. It wasn't originally written in English. How many of you have read the Yoruba Bible before? Eh? Right? Okay. This song, there's this song by Nathan Abasi. What does Olorun Agbaye translate to in English? Eh? Eh? Olorun. Wait now. Chill. Ah. Relax. Ah. You know, Olorun is, wait now, is from Olu. Olorun. What does Olu mean? Eh? Wait. Or, wait, who are people that understand Ijinle Yoruba in this place? Now, when you hear some, wait, in Ijinle Yoruba, you know Olu, alright, is usually used in reference to like an idol. <laughs> you, you don't know. Wait now, all those gods is adopted. You know the Yoruba have a pantheon of gods, right? Okay, they have a pantheon of gods, right? Just like the Greek has a pantheon of gods, and the Danes, 
have a pantheon of gods. So you have who is the most senior god in Yoruba? This thing. Yeah? He's not a lady to marry. He's not a lady to marry. Eh, now. It's not Shongo. Come on now. What I say? <laughs> so the Dane is Odin. Odin. You know Odin? He's our lady to marry. All right? So they have all of that. So when we are saying Eledumari or Eledua, Eledua is Benin, right? Then we translate it to God. Are you following? In the original, when the person is looking at what the original is, it will not, they can translate it and it's not God. I don't know if you understand that. Are you seeing that? Uh-huh. So that is why whenever you are doing Bible study, it's important to go and study the originals and find out in those people's dialect, what does that word mean? Are you getting it? Because if not, what will happen is that you will take the modern use of that word and miss a lot. Praise God. Praise God. I, I don't know whether you understood what I just explained. I don't know if you understand what I just explained. Uh-huh. So now, it now says here, Isaiah 59, look at Isaiah 59 verse 4. It says, none called for justice, nor any pleaded for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Vanity here also is to who? All right? So that means, all right, we can say, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was what? Without form. The earth was what? Vanity. The earth was what? Vain. The earth was what? Confusion. Praise God. The earth was what? What? Nothing. Praise God. And the earth was what? Waste. Is this clear? Now, the next one is and void. Void. Now, that word void in the Hebrew is bohu. B-O-H-U. And what does that mean? It means an undistinguishable ruin. Ruin. It means, he's saying, the earth was in ruins. Was, all right, it's used to speak to wickedness, chaos, violence. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay? The earth was in ruins. Keep that in mind. I want you to keep what we've explained just now in mind. Is this clear? Come on, is this clear? Now. Go back to Genesis. Remember, we said that in the Bible, you have figurative speeches and literal speeches. Now, let me first of all show you, all right, the basis for saying that a lot of things here are in parabolic expressions because I need to show you and give you a scriptural foundation for that. Yeah, by the way, if you are in this church and you come here, Please be expecting to be taught the Bible law. Amen. I said, Amen. <laughs> Let me warn you. This Bible we do in this place, so. All right. <laughs> we believe in the supernatural miracles happen. The move of the spirit is strongest, but we teach the Bible. Look at them and say, They teach Bible here. Yeah. I won't teach you cryptocurrency on Sunday morning. I will tell you, you see, seven ways to hammer. I won't teach you that one here. Yeah. This is church. Lagos Business School, if you take bus, eh? Just <laughs> praise God. Amen. We can say we want to do something, but not on Sunday morning. You know? This was a Bible because the ignorance among believers, we need to tackle it. Glory to God. Aha. Now go back to Genesis 1 pay attention. So I wanted to show you the basis for parables. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew. Now listen, no. Listen. Hmm. Who is the word of God? Who is the word of God? Jesus is the word of God. So if Jesus is the word of God, meaning is the explanation of God, it would mean the inspiration for scriptures is who? Is who? John 5:39. Search the scriptures, for in them ye believe ye have what? Eternal life, and they are they that testify 
of me. So the scriptures testify of who? Jesus. Hebrews 10, 7. Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Hallelujah. I come to do that. So that means the volumes, the volumes there, the word, those ones says in the volume of the book. Because there are 39 volumes in the Old Testament. Alright, the volumes there is speaking of the individual books of the writers. Are you following? Are you following? So we're talking about the volumes of the book. That is talking of the entire scriptures. It is written of me. I come to do thy will, O God. Glory to God. Then use Gospel 24 and verse 27. It said, beginning at Moses and in all the prophets, he expounded unto them the things concerning what? Himself. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? So the scriptures are Christocentric. They are Christ-centered. Is this clear? I said, is this clear? I said, is this clear? All right, now, so if the scriptures are Christ-centered and Jesus is the inspiration of the scriptures, it will mean that if you want to understand the tone and the style of writing of this Old Testament scriptures, we must pay attention to the manner of speech of Jesus in the Gospels. How did he talk? What language did he use? Because the audience and the Gospels and the audience in the Old Testament, they are the same. Amen. Because both audiences did not have the Spirit of God. Both audiences were lost in sin. Is that correct? And both audiences, they were Jews. Jesus spoke to Jews. All the prophets, all those guys spoke to Jews. All the books were written to Jews. Amen. It means that the manner of approach and the manner of speech in the Old Testament and the manner of speech in the Gospels, Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are the same. Now look at how Jesus spoke in the Gospels. It will give us an inclination of how he spoke in the Old Testament. Are you with me so far? Matthew 13 and verse 34. Look how it says. It says, all these things spake Jesus Unto the multitudes in what? Parables. Read the next thing. And without a parable, speak he not unto them. So he said he spoke. Now, what is parable? The word parable is from a Greek parabole. I will say parabole. Don't worry, you can oppress your friends when you get home. Just say parabole. Praise God. What does that mean? Go and Google it. All right. Now, what is parabole? Parabole means, all right, it means that you tell a story, amen, all right, and that story, all right, that you tell, though fictional, it's a fictional story, but the story has a message. It is what? Communicating. All right. For example, I'm going to remember um, this guy, Chino Achibo's book, Things Fall Apart. You know that things fall apart is a parable. Right? Right? All right. Okonkwa, you know Okonkwa now. It's a parable. Speaking about pre-colonial Nigeria, okay, and the effects of colonialism in Nigeria. That was what that book was about. So if you wanted to understand things fall apart, you needed to understand what was happening at the time things fall apart was written. So you will now know who Okonkwo represented. Amen. Because in parables, what you have, you are not talking about actual characters, but what those characters represent. Amen. So for example, Adam, all right, when you understand what we're talking about, Adam represents humanity. You understand? Okay. All right. That's what it means. Represents humanity. So you see a lot of all of that. Okay. So it says, without a parable, speak he not unto them. Verse 35. Everybody read. He says that it might be what? Fulfilled. Which was spoken by what? The prophet. Ah! So a prophet prophesied it. Saying, everybody read one to go. I will open my mouth in what? I will utter things which have been kept secret from the what? So that means foundation of the world is talking about the beginning of the world. Where is the beginning of the world? Genesis 1. So that means at the foundation of the world, Genesis 1 was a parable. 
Is somebody following? Are you following? Genesis 1 was a parable, but he's saying, I will continue to speak in parable. Hallelujah. It is only when the Spirit was given that these parables and the meanings of it was unveiled for us to see. Praise God. Now, go back to Genesis 1. Let us now unravel the par parable. Look at them and say, it's time to unravel it. Now, Genesis chapter 1. Ah, you know, one time I was looking at some folks, they're saying that the church you attend does not affect your spiritual growth. You know, I was saying, someone saying that. <laughs> they said, no. Growth, spiritual growth is by yourself. You are the one that will decide by yourself to grow. I was like, hmm. It's either you don't know what it means to grow spiritually. Because if you knew, you understand, you cannot achieve, arrive at spiritual growth by yourself. That's like saying that when you were born, you started paying rent by yourself. In fact, when you were born like this, you just told the doctor, how much is my money? How much is my money? No, you had parents that paid. They took you. Is that correct? They took you home. Mother breastfed you. Your growth was a result of what they gave you. Your develop, you know, there is growth and there is development. Growth has to be with physical, you know, how you are growing physically. Development means, it's talking about soulish development, your reasoning, your thinking. You have to be parented. You have to be sent to school. You have to be exposed to information. That's how you grew. Then as you grew and attained manhood, you could now take on responsibility. The proof of growth is the ability to take responsibility. It's not you're in your room. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm having a wonderful time with the Lord. He's speaking to me. As well. That is not what, what is <laughs> Hallelujah. No. Responsibility. When you grow, God hands responsibility over to you. And he will never have responsibility over to you outside of his house. Because he is not sponsoring rebels. Hallelujah. All right, let's go on. Hmm. He says, and the earth was without form and void. We've seen without form and void. Is that correct? Right? Now, the next word we find is what? And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Okay. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Okay, guys, what does deep mean? Hmm? What does it mean? You see, gift is saying it's deep. <laughs> you see what I'm saying about interpretation? Praise the Lord. Upon the face of the deep. You, you, are you seeing the challenge? Because in my mind when I say deep, I, oh, that's cotonier now. That's like whole. So it's deep. But deep here is talking about water. A mass body of what? Of water. So when he says darkness was upon the face of the deep, he's saying darkness was upon the face of the flood of water. Then he now said, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of what? The water. So that means he said darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moved upon the face of the deep. So the question is this. What does water signify in Scripture? Let's look at it. Sorry about, don't be distracted by this thing. It's, defined, it's refusing to get stuck here. Ah, okay, yeah, that's good. It's stuck, finally. Are you ready? Waters, right? Now, waters, pay attention to follow me. If you miss me, you have to take a canapé. Waters in scripture is used to refer figuratively to people, nations, humanity. I will show you. Look at Isaiah chapter 8. Game is okay. Game is the day. Pamela was okay. King Adjo Ayelo. Oh, what is that next one? Ogo Ayemi. Yako Yoja de Olua. Pamela was okay. 
God. That song should not be sung by a believer. Because you are asking for God to raise you from the dead again. Glory to God. But you are risen, you are seated with Christ. Parable, what? Principalities and power. So that means he has be us okay. And he has be us the day. Glory to God. When he says, family was okay. King he has Fahelo was okay. And you are God, you are law. So when he now says, Ogo aye me, ah, deko yojade. My brother, when Jesus rose from the dead, your glory, your jade. Amen. Because Jesus is your glory. It's the glory of God. Amen. So we can sing, O tigbe mi soke, baba tigbe mi jide. O family was okay. Mi tigadju aye la. O go aye mi. O ti yojade. O lu wati family was okay. So okay. I see we've written the song. Because we don't want to lose a good song. Glory to God. Amen. Isaiah chapter 8. My pastor always tells me not to speak Yoruba while I'm preaching because of the international audience. They will understand. Isaiah chapter 8. <laughs> Verse 7. Waters. Is that correct? Now let's read. It says, Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the what? Everybody redo. He brings upon them the what? Waters of the what? River. Strong and what? Even who? Talk to me. Even who? The king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his what? Banks. So water is used to refer to the king of Assyria and his army. Clear? Is this clear? All right. At the mouth of two or three witnesses shall a team be what? Established. So let me give you like four. So you say it's not just three. Now, look at Isaiah 17. So very soon we're going to have like a Bible seminar here in Lekki. We will come. Yeah, we'll come. And I think one of these are Bible seminars that we're having. We'll do it here. We'll spend the whole day just Bible. Hallelujah. Uh, Isaiah 17. Amen. Look at verse 12. <laughs> Woe to the multitude of many people which make a noise like the noise of the what? Of the what? Are you noticing? I'm noticing. Make the noise like God noises. <laughs> and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing of what? Mighty waters. Nations. People, waters. Come on, are you following? Are you following? Now look at Isaiah 48 and verse 1. Huh. Hear you this, O house of Jacob, or Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the what? Waters of what? Judah. Which swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth and in righteousness. So the waters of Judah are the people of Judah. Are you following that? All right? People of Judah. House of Jacob. So when you hear house of Jacob, it's not talking about a house, then the banner is Jacob. No. Praise God. House of Israel is not a mansion and Israel is branded on it. No. House of Israel is people. Waters. People. Is this clear? How many witnesses have I given you? I've given you three. Jeremiah 46, verse 7. When you are in a church like this one, you write. Your memory can help you. Amen. Write. Take notes. Jeremiah 46, 7. He says, Who is this that cometh up as a flood? See that? Who? Flood. Who is this that cometh up as a flood? 
whose waters are moved as the rivers. Eight, Egypt riseth up like a flood, and his waters are moved like the rivers. You see that? And he said, I will go up and I will what? Cover the earth. I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. So when he says, and darkness covered the face of the deep, okay, he's saying that the people that covered the face of the earth were in what? Darkness. Hey? Okay? In darkness. That was saying. That was that's what Moses is telling you. Moses, in Genesis 1, is preaching the gospel. See, in Genesis 1, you have the creation, then you have the state of mankind before Christ. Then you have the solution. We will enter that solution now, very soon. Amen? We will soon enter it, so wait. Is this what's sweeting you? You know what the Bible says? And Ezekiel... He says, the book was given to him. And he said, open your mouth, eat. And when he ate it, he said, it was sweet. The word of God is what? Any word of God that you are eating, it's not sweet. It's okrika. It's not the word. <laughs> it's okrika word. It's not the word. <laughs> Even when you are being rebuked by the word, it's sweet. Glory to God. Aha. Now, so... Have we satisfied the water parts? Being people, clear? Is that clear? Hmm. Now, <laughs> that word, darkness, darkness, look at it, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So, that, we said the deep is people, right? So, that means darkness was what? Over the people, or people were in darkness. So the question is, what is darkness? Does it mean just dark? What does darkness figuratively speak to? The word darkness, hallelujah, is the Hebrew word chosek. What do we call it? Eh? Chosek. That is C H O C H O S E K. Darkness. Now, what does darkness mean? Okay. Figuratively, when it's used. Darkness is the absence of light. What does light speak to? Light speaks to knowledge. Glory to God. And darkness actually speaks towards ignorance. Ignorance. Okay. Ignorance. Let's look at this. Turn your Bible to Ephesians 5. He says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Okay? For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is what? Acceptable unto the Lord. Glory to God. So now, it says we were sometimes darkness. How did we come out of darkness? We came out of darkness via the knowledge of the gospel. Is that correct? So that means our way out of ignorance was through what? The word. That was through what? Knowledge. Is this clear? So when he says darkness was upon the face of the deep, what he's saying is that the, the people being described there were ignorant of the truth. They were ignorant of the light. Is that clear? Is that clear? So, what was now the next thing that you now find in Genesis 1, verse 4? And God what? And God what? And God what said? What did he say? Let there be what? Light. So, now the question is this. This light that God said, let there be light, what does it mean? What, what does it mean? Because we know that he was not referring to the sun, the moon, and the stars. How do we know this? Well, because in Genesis 1, the sun, moon, and the stars were created later. Is that clear? Let's go back there. So you see Genesis 1. 
By the time you understand the Bible like this, and you are being taught properly, you will not go to church just to be doing Shadrach Shami. You know what Shadrach Shami is? It will be you, amen. You will rise, amen. You, will, you understand? Some people that no. You, you would have some wisdom, clarity, and light in you. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Now it says, and God said, let there be what? Let there be what? Light. And there was light. So what does the light represent? What does it mean? Light. What is he talking about? Because if you see in um, verse 14, it says, and God said, let there be light in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. And let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let there be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth. And, and it was so. It now says, and God made what? Two great lights. The greater light to rule what? The day. And the lesser light to rule what? The night. So this, is, this means that the light in Genesis 1 uh, verse 3 is not talking about the sun and the moon. Is this clear? Come on, is this clear? It's not talking about sun and moon. So what light was it? The answer is found in the book of 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Chapter 4. Hmm. Say this with me. Oh Lord, open my eyes to see deep things. In your word. Say it again. Oh Lord. Open my eyes. To see deep things. In your word. Now let's explain this light. Talking about. Second Corinthians 4.1 Therefore seeing we have this ministry. As we have received mercy we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Not working in craftiness. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Look at verse 3. Everybody read. Louder everybody read. It says what? But if our gospel be what? Heed. It is heed to them that are what? Lost. Verse 4, read. In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which what? Believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is what? The image of God, should what? Shine unto them. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And, our, and ourselves, your servant, for Jesus' sake. Now, this is where we're going, verse 6. Everybody read one, two, go. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Stop. When did God command the light to shine out of darkness? Genesis. Is that clear? So it was in Genesis God commanded the light to shine out of what? Darkness. Is that correct? Okay, good. He says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Notice, he's now showing you figurative and the real meaning. Is this clear? Is this clear? Figurative and what? The real meaning. He says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, had shined where? Where did he shine? Where did he shine? So when he shined on the earth, where did he actually shine? In the hearts of men. He has shined in... So when, is, when the Bible says, let, when God said, let there be light, it was because there was darkness on the face of the deep. The face of the deep is humanity. Is that correct? So there was darkness in the, in the hearts of men. So God said, let there be light and shined in the hearts of men. Yeah? Now, he says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. Huh? Now, what does that shining mean? It says to give the light. Eh? So it's not telling you what that light is. It says to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of... So that means the light is the knowledge of Jesus. What brings men out of darkness in their hearts to light in their hearts is what? The knowledge of who? Jesus. Praise God. I said praise God. 
So Moses was saying, in the beginning, God created people. But people went into confusion. It was the men he created were without form. They were not in accordance to God's plan. Because God's plan was for them to be made in the image of the Son of God. But they were not patterned in accordance to that image. So when God looked at the earth, all he saw was what? Empty. Because until man is full with Jesus, man is what? Empty. Until man is filled with Jesus, man is vain. Until man is filled with Jesus, man is confused. Until man is filled with Jesus, man is what? A wilderness. Are you following? Until man is filled with Jesus, man is vanity. The identity of man without Jesus is confusion, it is waste, it is vanity, it is without form. And it is what? This undistinguishable ruin. Man without Jesus is a ruin. It's ruined. Not God's plan. So God said, let there be the light of the gospel. And the Bible says, and there was light. Where did that light appear? In our hearts. But, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he said, if our gospel be hid, what is he saying? He's saying the light of the gospel is shining. Hallelujah. Amen. Which is the knowledge of Jesus is being blasted across the earth. But if any man still is in darkness, he is in darkness, why? The God of this world has done what? Blinded his eyes. Praise God. Now, because of time, praise God, and I know when things are sweet, we should do some moderation so that, you know, diabetes will not set in. <laughs> you can come joking. <laughs> praise God. So, the light of the gospel. Hmm. So, Lord, should we say that one? Let's read this one. Genesis 126. <laughs> how many of you want me to teach you how I study the Bible? As in how to study the Bible. How many want to teach? It's easy. It's not hard. If you understand the methodology, you will get it. It's not hard. It's not it's easy. But you just have to be hard work. You can't be lazy. Because it will take time. Hallelujah. You know, you can't just read the Bible and just read it. <laughs> you just read it. Listen, you can confidently preach nonsense. Confidently and boldly. For example, I've heard many people say this thing. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by what? Jesus Christ. So someone says, oh, the problem in the church. Today is that we have taught grace, but we've forgotten the other part, the truth. And everybody in the hall will say, hmm. So you have to have focus on hyper grace. We have forgotten the truth. Hey, Egbeni, listen. That scripture in the originals, in the Greek, when it says, For the law came by Moses. But grace and truth by Jesus. In that construction, what he's saying is that grace is the truth. Hold on. Because the law is a shadow. What is shadow? A shadow is what a person gives off. If I stood in the light, are you following? My shadow will be cast because I'm a person. Is that correct? So the law is that shadow. The true substance is the person. Casting of that shadow. So, if you pay attention to the shadow, and you read the shadow, you cannot live in the shadow. You must ask, who is giving off the shadow? Ah, come on now. If you were in a room, and you, were, and you saw a, a person's shadow coming, 
and you saw that shadow, their shadow approaching, are you going to be looking at the shadow? You will be looking for the person that is giving up that shadow. Is that correct? Yes. So that is why the Greek word for truth is aletia. Aletia means reality. The law is not reality. The law is the shadow of the reality. So when you read the law, it should lead you to the reality. Glory to God. That reality is called substance. So when he says the law came by Moses, grace, that is, charis, kai, alitia, he's saying that the law came by Moses, but grace, even the truth, grace, that is the truth, came by Jesus. So he's not separating grace from truth. Hallelujah. Do you understand? Do you understand? So if you don't study, you will be sharing. You see, what blesses people is a function of the knowledge of the people listening. You can be talking rubbish and people, oh, glory. Oh, wow. I've never seen it like that. I understand. Doesn't mean it's correct. Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands and say, I desire precision. I desire accuracy in the presentation of the word and in my understanding of the word. Where did I say she turned? Ah, there's no time to share this thing. My time is up. <laughs> my time is up. Can I have like five minutes? No, if it's not... Can I, can I have that? Nah, no, sir. I don't want to. Excited to have. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go back. Genesis 126. Hmm. <laughs> so, pay attention. Pay attention. Listen. Uh-huh. Hey, but look at verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be what? And what? And what? Hold on. When you tell somebody to replenish the earth, what are you saying? When I say replenish, doesn't it imply something was there before? Right? Right? So when he says replenish, it means God is replacing something. Huh? Is what? Now, who is he replacing? Genesis 1-2. Remember, he talked about humanity that was in what? Darkness. That was without form and what? Void. Then he now comes and says, and God said, let there be what? Light. Then he goes talking about other creations. Then now comes to man. Man. Remember, 1 2 was talking about humanity, man. Then 126 is now talking about replenishing. So the second creation of men is to replace the first group of men who were what? Confused. Without light, without form, and what? Void. So God now said, let us make man in our own, because the one of verse 2 were not made in his image. <laughs> verse Corinthians 15. The first man, Adam, was a what? A what? Of the earth. But the second man is what? The Lord of heaven. As we have borne the image of the word, earthly, we shall also bear the image of the word. Genesis 1.26 is that process of bearing the image of the word, heavenly. So when God said, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness, what was he saying? Let us make men born again. 
Hallelujah. Let them be born again. Hallelujah. Colossians 1.15, and I'll close here. Get the message, and listen again and again. <laughs> Amen? So you understand. <laughs> you know, I grew up hearing about that in the Garden of Eden, there was a snake. In the Garden, you know now? A talking snake. How many of you were told that too? That there was a talking snake in the Garden? You need to think about it, Nadit. There was a snake that was talking. Eve, how are you? <laughs> oh, glory. Let me just do something real quick. Real quick. Real quick. You understand parables now, right? Right? So, it means that the Exodus story is a parable. A parable of what? Redemption. So, just as the, a nation was taken out of Egypt and were taken into what? The promised land. So also, believers are translated from the kingdom of what? Darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Which means that Canaan in the Old Testament was land, but in the New Testament is a person. In the Old Testament, the inheritance was a promised land flowing with milk and honey. In the New Testament, the inheritance is God himself. So in the Old Testament, you are looking at land. In the New Testament, you now realize that the land actually is a metaphor for God. Look at it. He tells Abraham, he said, as far as your eye can see, turn to the north. Turn to, you know, that means the land does not end. You understand? What is he saying? He's saying, Hallelujah. I am the person I'm referring to. You understand? Because the land is not eternal. It's going to be destroyed. But God, in communicating to Abraham, is trying to tell him that, listen, by faith, you will inherit me. Glory to God. God is your inheritance. Okay. To end this, look at Galatians 3. Galatians 3.13. Is anyone getting blessed? Is this good food? I, I know it's like some pap. Only these people are blessed. I said, is anybody getting blessed? Is this good food? Hallelujah. Praise God. If you are coming for the first time, I understand. Don't worry. Just calm down. Look at anybody say, calm down. I said, look at anybody say, calm down. You know. You know. Praise God. The Bible is a delicious book. Delicious. If you know what's inside that book, Oof, Jesus. it's a book to make you fall in love with Jesus and fall out of love with sin. Glory to God. Yeah. That's what the Bible is. It's the greatest book ever written. I've read many, I, mean, I read books. One of my hobbies is read. I consume information like a crazy person. <laughs> it's my hobby. I've never seen any book that's like the Bible. I've not seen it. The, the wizardry. The wizardry inside the book. Aye. Aye. You will just be looking at ah! You know, Paul got to a point and said, Oh, how wide is the wisdom? How? You understand? Because it was so. Ah! It was so. Ah! You, like, you don't be seeing it everywhere. Ah! Praise God. Everybody read. One to go. Christ has redeemed us from the what? Cause of the law. Being made the cause of. Verse, it is written, causes everyone that hanging on the tree. Verse, next verse, it says what? That the what? Blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive what? We shall receive what? So the promised land of the Old Testament is the spirit in the new. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? So in the Old Testament, the shadow is the land. In the New Testament, the substance is what? Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, the promise can be seen with the naked eyes. In the New Testament, it cannot be seen. This was why, listen, this was why when, 
Moses was talking to the children of Israel. He said, remember, I did not show you. When, he said, when I appeared to you, you didn't see the image of a fish. You didn't see the image of an animal. You didn't see any physical thing. Do not make any image representative of, who, of me. Why is he telling them that? He's telling them that because the image of God cannot be seen. The image of God is the spirit of what? Of Christ. The image of God is the inheritance. So, when you believe in Christ Jesus, you have arrived at your promised land. Where's your promised land? In Christ. How do you get in Christ? By the Holy Spirit. Say out loud, the Holy Ghost is my inheritance. Say, the Holy Ghost is my possession. Louder, the Holy Ghost is my inheritance. So that's too low. The Holy Ghost is my inheritance. The Holy Ghost is my possession. I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.